It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. When everybody's listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Wherever wherever you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I go all the way to the bookstore to get my show. <laughs> oh, God. Talk about being automatic, right? Uh, just get yourself a copy of it. Find out why I'm so animated about getting Tom Molino's story uh, told. And if you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. And don't forget, if you're getting, if you're looking to get multiple copies, maybe you want to give them away as gifts or whatever, uh, just drop me an email, and I'll hook you up with some special pricing. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Um, today, uh, uh, I, 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 before we get started, I, I just want to mention uh, uh, a couple of things. First and foremost, Windows, uh, Microsoft sucks. I, I just want to let everybody know about that. Microsoft really sucks um, with uh, uh, what they do with uh, forcing you for updates and stuff like that. I, I, I do uh, uh, IT work. And uh, on one hand, I'm, I'm glad they uh, caused so many problems because uh, it puts money in my pocket. But when it affects me directly, uh, I, I just can't stand it. Uh, so anyway, I figured I wanted to get that off my uh, meat. I want to get off me chest. Anyway, um, coming up later on the show, uh, Dax Khan will stop by, give us his thoughts on the fights this weekend. Uh, coming up Wednesday... The return of uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. He'll join us. And we're going to be doing a special blast from the past this Wednesday. Not on a fighter. This was a request to do it on an, a, a venue. And uh, Alex and I will be talking about the Blue Horizon in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So uh, you don't want to miss that on Wednesday. 
Uh, and uh, as uh, usual, we'll have a full uh, slate of uh, topics to discuss as uh, goes the week. Um, one thing I, I, I want to plant, I, I want to plant the seed. I want to plant the seed in, in, in your hut. Um, we're going to be doing another Billy C event uh, at some point uh, over the summer. And it's going to be the biggest one yet. Uh, it's going to be a, basically a, a four-day event. Yeah, you heard it right, a four-day event. Uh, we're going to have uh, golf tournaments, a fishing tournament. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, meet and greets. We'll have some celebrities there, a lot of celebrities there. Uh, we'll be doing. Uh, we'll be showing some fights, or uh, we'll be broadcasting uh, a fight. So, it, depending upon the schedule, um, it's going to be a a week long adventure. Uh, we're going to have memorabilia there. It's going to be good. Now, we're shooting to have it at our uh, home base uh, in uh, St. Simon's Island at the Sea Palms Resort. But we're going to keep you posted. My, my, the reason why I'm mentioning it now is because I'm trying to get an idea of how many people would be interested in, uh, in coming and signing up uh, for the week. Uh, we will be offering packages through us, through this show, uh, hotel deals, uh, dinner deals, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, if you have any interest in that, it should be, I would say, mid to end summer is the time frame we're looking at. Uh, we want plenty of time to get this thing uh, set in stone. And uh, we want you to have plenty of time to coordinate uh, your time around this. And don't forget, this isn't just for uh, the big boys and girls. This is good for family, too, uh, especially the, the places that uh, we're looking to have it. So if you have any interest, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Some big fights this weekend I want to talk about. Um, well, let me rephrase that. A big fight this weekend that I really want to talk about. And then a couple of stinkers, in my opinion, stinkers, on HBO. And I'm just curious to know if you guys feel the same way I do about HBO and how deep they've fallen uh, off the uh, radar uh, in terms of putting on uh, the, only the best fights. And, and, and they're not slowing down because uh, when we got that, uh, you know, Sergey Kovalev fight, he's fighting against some slug. And then the fight that really uh, should be the main event uh, we have Bivol against uh, Sullivan Barrera. I mean, uh, that's a, a much more intriguing fight. And I'll tell you the truth, which would have been even more intriguing is to see either one of those two fighters fight Sergey Kovalev. But nonetheless, uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to talk about the fights this weekend. And, and you know, I also got a little nauseous um, uh, with all the accolades about Roy Jones Jr., I, I mean, I don't know if you guys picked it up during the broadcast or not, but geez, they have this guy on such a pedestal. I, I, I really started thinking, was Roy Jones really that great? I mean, I, yes, he dominated. He, he did some things historically that hadn't been done in a century. Um, but, uh, but was he that good? Did he duck anybody? Did he fight fighters that were everybody that was available to him? Did he wait too long? Uh, did he have too many things? in? You can't go by the Roy Jones that we see today. I'm talking about uh, going back, and I will uh, get into that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, but first and foremost, the Cruiserweight Unification fight, uh, which was the uh, uh, semifinal for the World Boxing Super Series in the Cruiserweight division, uh, put Alexander Yusik uh, up against uh, Marius Bredis. And uh, at the end, the bottom line, 
is this was an extremely exciting fight. 115-113 twice, and one judge had it, 114-114, giving Yusick the win. He improves to 14-0 with 11 knockouts. Breedis loses for the first time in his career. Uh, he dropped into 23-1. Now uh, Yusick will face uh, the winner of next weekend's fight uh, between Gassiov and Junior uh, Dortikos. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, cruiserweight fight. Joining me right now uh, from St. Simons Island, Georgia, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Um, I know you hadn't had a chance, or maybe you did uh, have a chance to watch some of the uh, uh, highlights of the uh, Yusick Breeders fight, but I will say this. It was a, uh, a, a very... You know, both of these guys known for their knockouts, and uh, I did I did predict uh, Usyk uh, to win this fight, but I thought he would win by late round stoppage. It didn't happen. It was a, as you like to call, an ebb and flow fight, uh, which featured uh, uh, two heavy handed fighters going the distance, uh, really landing some hard shots. What I liked about this fight, Sal, was they both tried to break each other down, trying to work the body. Uh, you know, going to the head at times. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was just a reflection of how good both of these fighters were that neither one uh, ended up uh, getting counted out. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on an evenly matched fight uh, when they're supposed to be? Well, that's just a, a, that's a great thing to have. And when you see an evenly matched fight and the so-called ebb and flow of a fight uh, going back and forth to... Uh, each fighter's advantage or at least uh, uh, dominance, I think it's a, it's a match that, that definitely is one that we are, do not always see. And when we see it, it jumps out to be one of the special bouts. And uh, as from what I hear is that exactly what is, is what happened this past weekend with uh, Usyk and uh, Breedis. And uh, I'm going to have to watch that on the Internet and see. But um, I did call for Usyk to also uh, beat him, and, and I thought he was going to have a late-round stoppage. But, uh, hey, guess what? A decision, a win is a win. And if you look good doing it and it's a good fight, why not? Uh, I think it's a great series, and uh, we'll look forward to the uh, – fight next week and uh and also the unification or or the final bell uh final bout the tournament and uh, that'll be great great matchup whoever wins this week uh but yeah i, I think a bout like this uh, is is great it's what boxing is about you know uh the, the other thing i noticed is you know I, I it wasn't in uh uh wasn't anywhere in the u.s it was actually no uh, at was. a place called the riga arena in uh, uh riga lativa and, um, you know, once again, when we watch these fights at locations outside the U.S., I, I can't help but notice how much the fans are into it, cheering and chanting and, and getting into the fight. And, I, you know, I, I don't understand why the fight fans here in the States don't do the same. Very rarely um, do you see them as vocal as we see the fans in these packed, jam-packed arenas outside the U.S., uh, Europe, and uh, you know other places as well, uh, I, I just don't understand why the United States has become a, a, a place of of watching big fights on TV rather than going to see them live. I, I know in other sports, uh, football and, and basketball, and and even baseball to a degree. Um, 
have pushed the the small guy out uh, by making ticket prices uh, so outrageously expensive that you know corporations and stuff now are the uh, predominant uh, season ticket holders. Uh, not that there aren't uh, individuals holding them anymore, but um, it just seems like uh, here in the states they gear towards that corporate uh, America for the fannies in the seats, and the rest of the slugs like you and I watch on TV, which necess- isn't necessarily a bad uh, way um, having the being watching from the comfort of your own home. But with the sport of boxing, there's so much energy that's you know expelled in the in the uh, arenas. I, I gotta believe, Sal, that the uh, the fighters pick up on that and respond to that. What's your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I mean, when, when you'd have a fight and uh, you feel the fans are behind you, I mean, it, it's it's the momentum, it's the caught up in the emotion. It's great. I mean, you know, you you feel like, wow, I am representing a, a contingency of people that. Uh, that I'm fighting for myself, but man, I'm going to not disappoint everybody that's coming out to support me. So, you know, definitely it does add a little bit there, and you have some expectation of, of, of something like that. And, you know, you, you, you hear it, and you see it. And, uh, you know, uh, it, whether I was fighting in some other guy's backyard or, or, or away, you know, it, 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 in my backyard, it's, it's funny, you know, but the fans and, and the support that you do hear you know, it, it does help. It does help a bit. And, uh, you know, you're still focused, and sometimes you just shut that all out. But, you know, you do hear the cheers and raise. And, and you know your relatives are there. You know that your fans are there. You know that your girlfriend, wife, or, or somebody's there. They're significant usually. So, yeah, you, yeah guess what? You don't, you don't want to have a bad night, so you'll do your best. That's it. Yeah, well, my point is, is that, you know, when the masses – are there chanting your name and stuff like that? It, it's got to jack you up. It's got to get the oh, it does. adrenaline. It and, does. and we've it failed. Does. We've failed that here in the states. It just doesn't. Uh, just doesn't happen to at least to the degree that it happens uh, elsewhere. And it's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. But uh, speaking well, of fights, wow. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Well, look at look at the course of what's happened over the decades. I mean, we have the feel-good police, and even with the football fans and 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 uh, the tailgate parties and everything else. I mean, they've they've cracked down. You can't. Uh, and I'm I'm saying they feel good police because you know they got to look out for the best interests of everybody there. And, and as you suggested, things are going more corporate, and they they try to shut the average Joe out, um, uh, or not try, but sometimes it, it you know people go along the path of least resistance. So when you gotta get up for an event and you're trying to organize a party or your group and and then you got to get padded down and you can't bring any beer and sneak in that do this tailgate party that this you know it just makes more obstacles for people to have to endure every time they want to do something and and they think about it. so they start thinking about these obstacles and they say ah you know what I'm better off just watching on my TV I'll call a couple of my buddies over you're right and yeah, you I know, know I mean unfortunately the world has become a place where uh, we we're required to get go through a metal detector when we want to go to a high school football game or, or something ridiculous like that. The world is, has become uh, that kind of a place, and uh, uh, you're right. A lot of people, look at me, 
Look, when I come down and do an event at St. Simons, I prefer to hop in the car and drive 24 hours than I would to hop on a plane because of the aggravation that it gives me to fly on a plane. You got to get there early. You got to park. You got to get padded down. You got to strip down. You got to get all discombobulated. Then you're at the hands of them. Oops, sorry. Flight's delayed. Oop, oop. We're rerouting you. Oop, uh, equipment problem with this. Oop. Our pilot's drunk again. Got to switch pilots. You know, I mean, uh, come on. You know, but... Uh, Anyway, the other fight, HBO. What has happened to HBO, Sal? Sal, HBO used to be the premier place. When you used to watch and, and, and you know, I, I, when, when you used to see a fight that was going to be on HBO, you knew damn well it was going to be a competitive fight. You knew it was one of the upper echelon fights. You knew it was a fight that both fighters earned to get... Man, are those days gone? We, we, you got, you know, we gave them. At least I gave them a bit of a pass last year. You know, I thought maybe they were in, uh, you know, some kind of uh, uh, transition. Uh, but, uh, but uh, first of all, Lucas Matisse is the main event against the guy uh, Tiwa uh, Kiram, who. I, no one ever heard of this guy. Let's be real. I do this show. I, I nobody does more research uh, about boxing and stuff than myself he and the people that 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 man. are uh, you know involved with this show. And out of nowhere, this guy comes uh, to fight on HBO against Lucas Matisse. And nothing for nothing. When did Lucas Matisse become? This big draw. Lucas Matisse has lost all of the biggest fights that he's ever been in. You know, he hasn't he hasn't won any real big, big fights. Yeah, he's a battler. Yeah, he's a knockout guy. But this is a guy that's best days are long behind him. Why are we wasting our time with him? And he gets to be the main event. If anything, the co-main event between Jorge Linares and Mercito Gesta uh, much more uh, was deserving of, of the main event status. It was for a title. It was between two top fighters. Uh, it was a one-sided fight, but still, uh, it was uh, a better uh, fight than, uh, uh, than Matisse. But nonetheless, uh, Lucas Matisse was fighting a stink fest of a fight, boring of a fight, until 1 minute and 21 seconds of the eighth round uh, found him finally connect with uh, Karam uh, to win the fight uh, to improve to 39 wins and four losses with 36 coming by knockout. Uh, up to that point, I thought Karam was doing exactly what he should have done. He had the height reach uh, advantage, the height and reach advantage, and he was sticking that jab in uh, Matisse's face. All I kept saying to myself was, Matisse has no answer for this, and uh, he certainly didn't. I think Karam tied down a little bit, tired out a little bit, and uh, gave Lucas Matisse an opportunity to uh, put the foot on the gas pedal and connect with one of his bombs, and it ended the fight just like everybody thought it would. What was your thoughts on this fight? I like the uh, Gesta Lanier fight a lot better. But uh, well, let's we'll talk get to about that. this one the first. The Matisse fight, Matisse fight, and Karan. It was just what you suggested, and you know who was this guy Karan? He might he he, he might have been another Dooku Kim that just popped up. Who knows? But the bottom line is, the guy looked worthy in there. He had a hell of a jab, and and I thought he was going to win the fight on a jab. Um, I'd like to see what was also in that that little uh, that little cream bomb that they took for the boxing commissioner saw that he inhaled. Um, he didn't inhale it. He was putting it on his face. They were using it as Vaseline. It was some kind of yeah. herbal thing. Herbal. Which, which I, I, I've, I've, why wouldn't, 
either the language barrier prevented them or whatever, but why wouldn't that be presented to the commission before the fight? To have that guy and then them all sniffing it and stuff. I mean, that looked, they looked so yeah. ridiculous. It, it looked ridiculous, look ridiculous in there. It did look ridiculous. It looked amateurish, and, and, and you know, it, it's a shame, too, because, you know, like you said, suggested, we're on HBO. These are things that uh, shouldn't should have been disclosed and discovered uh, prior to the fight, not during the fight. But anyway, it wasn't going to help him one way or the other because Matisse did come through with his big shot, and um, he legitimately did hurt uh, uh, Koran and uh, ended the fight, as you said, in the eighth round. And um, up to then, you know, hey, it was a, uh, it was a e interesting fight. And Matisse, uh, Tise, I think he had a lot of rust. He was trying to look to work off and, uh, you know, establish his distance there and get his punches underneath him. And, you know, at times he looked good and looked like he was coming along. And, and you know, ultimately he did. I mean, he won the fight. And uh, he did it in the kind of fashion we expected him to do with him. Yeah, well. Uh, if uh, Karam would have been uh, had a little more experience, I mean, this is a guy. Yes, he had 38, 37 fights going into it. Yes, he was undefeated. Um, he started boxing late. He was in the uh, Muay Thai and and martial arts uh, prior to that. He seems to have a a, a a perfect body for for that. If he can get to the welterweight division, yeah. uh, if he could stay in the welterweight division, I should say. But uh, but no way was had should he have been in this particular fight on this particular uh, showcase, as a showcase, uh, long way to go. Uh, I mean, basically, all he had was the jab followed by the right hand, a one-two, if you will. That's it. At the end of the fight, Lucas Matisse said, I'm happy uh, he was moving a lot. He was a big guy. He doesn't punch hard, but he was awkward. I needed to throw more punches until I got him. He was very strong in the clinch. Now I want Danny Garcia or Manny Pacquiao. I'll let my promoter and Golden Danny Boy Pacquiao. work it out. I want the big fights. This fight's for my daughter, my wife, my family, for Argentina. This belt's for you. Uh, the bottom line is they give him a main event showcase. And a belt. To, um, uh, to um, you know, uh, basically get him a big payday. I, I, I just, I find this appalling that we had to watch Lucas Matisse fight an unknown fighter on HBO. This was an ESPN-level fight. This was a Fox Sports fight. This was a fight that shouldn't have been on HBO. I mean, give me a break. This is the problem with fights. This is the problem with people that don't know any better, and they see Karam, they look at his undefeated record. This is the suits that approved this fight for HBO and I, 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 the biggest surprise to me was listening to the three students, I mean, the commentators <laughs> on HBO trying to talk this fight up, trying to talk this fight up. And it, it was extremely hard for them to do. And I, it just goes to show you that you can't believe these commentators anymore. They've no. become 100% corporate. They do what they're told. They're saying what they're whispering in their headset, and that's that. And if I heard one more accolade for Roy Jones, I swear to God I would have thrown up in a five-gallon pail bucket. I, 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 Really, it was terrible. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the other fight that, in my opinion, should have been the main event, Jorge Linares going up against Mercito Gesta. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. 
Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And don't forget, we are uh, almost uh, ready to unveil the new Billy C. Brass Knuckle Mugs that we're going to have available. Uh, Upon popular demand, I was getting all these emails. Hey, we want to buy those mugs. We want to buy those mugs. And I'm not talking about the one sitting here. And I'm not talking about the one that Sal... Uh, created on his own, mocking my mustache. But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, is we have uh, uh, some, uh, uh, if you go up on BillyCBoxing.com, you'll see a, a, a logo, a JPEG, if you will, uh, that Jeremy came up with, where it's kind of like a mug getting punched, and the, the handle part where you hold the mug is, is brass knuckles. And uh, I have a, a company that is custom making them for us, and they will be available to you. And all you got to do is drop me an email if you want to get it put on the list because they're um, being custom made. Uh, we only run so many per run, I guess. So uh, we already have a bunch of names uh, waiting to get their mug. I will have them here first. But if you want to get put on the list, just drop me an email. Billy at Talkin Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Now, the second fight on HBO, I thought should have been the first, uh, should have been the main event. I don't understand why it wasn't. Um, but even that fight wasn't an HBO-level fight, Sal. I, I really don't. What was your thoughts on that one? You're talking about the Lanier's and Gesta. I, I liked that fight. I liked it, and I know that Lanier's uh, was dominant, but I liked his story. I liked the up-close-and-personal they gave, and, uh, you know, he, um, I'll tell you, Max Kellerman did hint, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that big of a Max Kellerman fan for a lot of reasons, but, uh, he did suggest in early on in this fight that it was a, a good display of what you and I do appreciate bill two world-class fighters being defensive without having to run and hold. They were in the pocket. They were, they were exchanging punches yet. They were being defensive and they were, it was a good fight. It was a very good fight. I liked it. And I liked the, Lanier's style and uh, his story, and uh, I was glad to see him come up uh, victorious. Well, we've heard his story. It's the same story you hear all the time. I, I, I don't know why HBO wastes the airtime to, to play them, you know, over and over and over. Came up from nothing, did this. I, I mean, it, you know, just insert anybody's name and it fits in there in terms of fighters. But Jorge Lanier's. One of the best fights that I recall him in was the one they referred to against uh, Antonio DeMarco, where Linares was <laughs> dominating, just beating the snot out of him. Was uh, just looked like uh, uh, you know Sugar Ray Leonard for God's sakes. And then uh, in the corner between, I think it was the eleventh round, tenth or eleventh round, they go to uh, they go to DeMarco. Hey, you're losing. You need to knock him out. And he goes, okay. And he goes out and boom, knocks him out. I was like, whoa, why didn't they say that? Why didn't they say that in the sixth round? But Linares, you know, Linares has some talent. There's no question about it. 
Um, you know, I also feel Mercito Gesta is a better fighter than what we watched on yeah. Saturday night. Now, I don't know what the deal was, why he wasn't. Uh, they were saying, oh, he's got no power. He's got this. He's got that. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, all you got to do is look at him and you can see those tree trunk legs. Once again, uh, what did what did Freddie Roach tell this kid in the corner? I mean, you know, um, didn't give him any instruction. The guy gives no instruction. You know, I, listen, t uh, Freddie Roach has become an <laughs> overrated trainer. He's he's a hired gun. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not going to suggest anything except Lin Ayers was the better fighter. He improved to 44 wins and three losses with 27 coming by knockout. Mercito Gesta drops to 31 wins, two losses, two draws with 17 wins coming by knockout. How did the judges see it? Well, two had it 118-110. One had it 117-111. Um, you know, I, it, it's funny how the scoring goes because, you know, this has been a cry that I've been – uh, saying for a long time, you know, um, one power shot equals how many pitter-pat punches, you know, I'm sorry, but if you're landing a jab or a pitter-pat punch for uh, two minutes and, and 40 seconds of a round and your opponent lands one shot, I'm not talking about a staggering shot. I'm not talking about a shot that put you down. I'm talking about a clean flush shot. How does a judge give the round to the, to that one punch? I'm sorry. I, I don't see it, you know. But uh, nonetheless, uh, at the end of the fight, Jorge Linez said, I won. That's all that's important. I made defensive moves. I didn't feel his punches. I hurt my hand in the fourth. I couldn't land the punches the way I wanted, but I took it easy. I was relaxed in there. Freddie Roach is supposed to be the best trainer in the world, and I beat his fighter. Freddie and Gesta were going to beat me with a left hook that he never landed. Uh, I told Oscar, I want to fight the best. Uh, we're ready for the big fights and the good things, meaning money. Uh, let's do the big <laughs> fights. Let's <laughs> make it happen. Thing. They, meaning Mikey Garcia and Lomachenko, keep mentioning my name, and that's who I want to fight. I dedicated this fight to Japan, to Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and especially my country of Venezuela. We're going through tough times, but I'm putting all my best to make you proud. Tonight, I finished my job. I feel good, and I'm ready for the next big fight. Maybe Lomachenko first, and then move up to fight uh, Mikey Garcia at 140. Um, you know, you could say what you want about Jorge Linares, uh, Sal, but he doesn't stand a chance against Lomachenko or Mikey Garcia. What's your thoughts? I think that would be very challenging for him. But like I said, you got to see what happens the night of the fight any given night. You never know what's going to be carried in with each fighter going into that uh, that final belt. So, you know, anything's possible. But, uh, you know, it might be a little ambitious for him to, to look to aspire and get to that level. And, they're, uh, you know, Lomachenko, I will arguably say, is one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters out there today. And... Um, and uh, I think that that would be a challenging fight. Although, you know, Lomachenko will be moving up for to to him lightweight, and uh, uh, so you, we don't know how it would uh, transpire with the weight class is. Um, but we'll see. I think Linares is a good fighter. I think he's a solid fighter, and I think uh, you know I'd like to see him uh, fight a very upper echelon kind of opponent and see what he does with him. Well, I don't think. Uh that uh, uh, he should uh, 
Linares, did he pay to do this? Do we want to see Mikey Garcia fight him? Do we want to see Lomachenko fight him? Um, I, you know, I, yeah, that's just by making the fight, and this is no disrespect to Jorge Linares, but by making Garcia or Lomachenko fight him next, it, it prevents us from seeing other matchups that we'd like to see Lomachenko against. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a good test for Lomachenko up in the lightweight division. I think it's a very good matchup. I think it's a very good test for Lomachenko to step up from the junior world, uh, junior lightweight division into lightweight division. I say, why not? Let him go in against Linares. Linares is a good fighter. He could be an exciting fighter. He's got some defensive skills. You know, I did like, and I'll tell you what, they, they commented on this. I loved seeing Linares when he threw some punches. They weren't pitter-pat. He had some good combinations where he landed with authority and and and, and some speed, too. So I guess what, Bill? I'm going to have to go to the other side than you on this. I would love to see Linares fight Lomachenko. You'd rather see that fight over some of the other ones they're mentioning for What's Lomachenko? What's the other ones? What do I, Mikey Garcia, this one, that one? Yeah, yeah those. Yeah, those, yeah, those, those, those. Yeah, those I would could be. see that would be a good fight, too. But I could see also Lomachenko. That would be a good, that would be a very good fight. But Lomachenko stepping up in the lightweight, I think a good test for him would be against a formidable opponent, and I think Linares has proven to be that kind of opponent, and he would probably be the B side going into the fight. And I think uh, you know it would be interesting to see how he could do what he did the other day with a superior boxer, Fester, this, that, and everything else. I think it'd be a good test for both of them. I think it'd be a good playing field for two, one to establish your dominance and give Linares the opportunity to rise to the occasion and shock the world or see that Lomachenko is going to do what everybody would expect him to do uh, at a heavier weight. That's it. Well, Lomachenko, in my opinion, is more... Um, I think a Lomachenko against Jorge Linares fight is more acceptable than a Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia fight. And the reason yeah. why is because I think Mikey Garcia is too big for Lomachenko. Uh, Linares, although he's uh, a weight class above Lomachenko right now, and remember Lomachenko has already moved up, uh, I, I would love to see a technician in uh, Vasily Lomachenko work Linares. Linares has some hand speed. He's got accuracy. He's got great footwork. But he cuts real easy. Well, we yes. saw that. Um, and uh, Lomachenko would slice and dice him, man. I, I can't see that fight going to the end. But it would be interesting to see if uh, Linares can hurt Lomachenko. Gesta, Mercito Gesta has a solid chin. You're not really yes. hurting him. If you can get him off his feet, you're a power puncher. And I never looked at Linares as a power puncher, more of an accumulation uh, puncher or yes. uh, hand speed where he stops you because you didn't see the punch. I agree, but I did, you know, we get, let's take into consideration a little bit what he said about him hurting his hand about the fourth round. All right, give him the benefit of the doubt there. Maybe he did pull back some of the uh, power with the punch. But uh, I did see him also landing a fast combination with authority with those punches. So that was exciting to see that at that level. And I, I like I said, I became a Linares fan. I like Linares. He was in condition. He came to fight. He came to win. And, uh, uh, he did what he had to. You don't have to look pretty every fight, but uh, he did what he had to do, and I thought he did good. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, i got a couple other fights I want to mention. I also have some clarification with the WBC. Only the WBC has to issue statements to clarify what they say. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. 
Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, don't forget, you want to get on a list for those mugs. Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Two other fights I want to mention real quick. Um, Sharif Bogary, uh, an exciting young fighter, um, you know, uh, in the lightweight division. Uh, this is the kid that comes out with a real lion's headdress on and and all of this stuff uh he's he's kind of a wild fighter uh, a lot of people get cut fighting him he had some managerial problems uh etc etc but he fought this weekend a comeback fight he wanted a unanimous unanimous 10 round decision in vegas against Otoro santos no world beater but still sharif bogery improved to 31 and 1 with 20 knockouts 99 91 and two of the judges had it 100 to 90 and talk about uh, a c- comeback uh, fight and fighting a nobody. Zab Judah, yeah, you heard me uh, correctly. Former two-time division uh, champion, Zab Judah, 40 years old. He improved to 44 wins, nine losses, with 30 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, when he scored a 10-round unanimous deci- decision over Noel uh, Mejia Rincon, who drops to 21-14 and 14 with a draw. All three judges scored at the same 99-91. Uh, Judah will be fighting again. This fight took place in Calgary, Canada. He will be fighting again in Calgary, Canada. And uh, I'm thinking he's going to fight another uh, Rincon type of an opponent. Then you're going to see him um, in a, uh, a fairly big fight because that's what uh, promoters are, are doing. You know, they like to take a recycled name uh, like Zab Judah and stick him in there and put him in with a, a title holder that... He won't have a chance with, but gives him a payday. It's sickening. but uh. Well, Sal, in case you were wondering, the light heavyweight division, the WBC, in, in case y'all forgot, <laughs> uh, the WBC light heavyweight champion is Adonis Stevenson. You say, who is he still fighting? Yeah, because that's what Adonis. I was wondering. Uh, but he is. Um, the uh, WBC, now, in case you, 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 you f- couldn't follow the, the bouncing ball, Elder Alvarez has been a fighter that has been technically the mandatory title uh, defense for um, Adonis Stevenson for, for years now. And he keeps uh, getting step-aside money or whatever. So the WBC had to clarify what they're doing right now. They are sanctioning an interim WBC light heavyweight fight between Oleksandr Godzik and Miha Amir on March 17th in New York City. You heard right. It's going to be an interim title fight between those two guys, not uh, Alvarez. Um, and then the 
current uh, fight uh, between Adonis Stevenson and Bado Jack. That's taking place in May. Now, that's actually a good fight. I don't see Bado Jack not winning that fight. So Adonis Stevenson is going to be out of the mix, but we'll see what happens. That's taking place in May. Then the two winners of those fights are going to fight each other with the winner, the WBC champion, which would be the winner of the Stevenson-Jack fight, uh, gets 65% of the purse, and the interim champion, which is the winner of the Godzits and uh, Amir fight in March, uh, gets 35%. In case you're wondering whatever happened to Alvarez, well, he's already stepped aside a few times. He's going to ma- uh, remain the mandatory for the winner of the next two fights. So in other words, he's not going to fight in the interim fight. He's not going to fight in a championship fight. But after those two fights are done, so after May 19th, uh, the winner uh, the winner will fight the winner of the interim fight. So you, you figure that if, if all goes well, maybe sometime in the fall. So Alvarez won't get his world title shot, even though he's the mandatory until probably early 2019. That that is so absurd, Sal. What's your thoughts? Well, I, I'm trying to follow the bouncing ball, Bill. Do you feel like I've been dribbling and going up and down a basketball court? This one, that one. What? What? Whoa! Hey. But I'll tell you what. The poor guy. He's gonna be waiting till he he's uh, he's gonna get an old. He's gonna grow a beard and be an old man before he gets a shot. That's it's a, a shame. It's, it's a shame you got to go through. Like I said, the, the path of least resistance. This is going to be a whole the uh, end around and everything else. But before he gets to what he uh, what he's looking for, yeah, it's it's sad. It's it's sad. Um, it's sad. You know, uh, Customato, the late great uh, trainer, uh, who you know trained some great fighters, but m- most people remember him with with uh, Mike Tyson. Um, you know, I, I came across a quote. I, I heard uh, uh, some some film of him I was watching over the weekend and, you know, his demeanor and how he was. And, and you know, I, it reminded me of visiting my friend Kevin Rooney and the gym. They still play Customato's tapes that he created uh, with the punches. Uh, three, seven, four, one. You know, and uh, it's Customato's uh, voice. And, That's great. you know, That's great. Um, one thing he said to a young Mike Tyson, and and I, I want to read this quote to all you kids out there that believe the BS that you've been shoved down your throat by the, the, the smokescreen, the king of the smokescreens, Floyd, what's his name? Uh, Customato said, and I quote, remember, the secret is you can hit him, but he can't hit you. That is what the science of boxing is all about. Boys and girls, it's what I say all the time. You want to be in a position to hit your opponent and him not be able to hit you, not hit your opponent and run to the other side of the ring. That's not the sweet science. Anybody that calls that the sweet science, as uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. would say, don't know boxing. You don't know boxing. You know, so uh, that's the truth, Sal. What do you think? Absolutely. Well, I, hey, I uh, definitely am, am proud to say that uh, I concur with uh, Customato. I'll tell you why. That's that's exactly what you and I profess every day, and that's it. To be in a position to exchange a punch and to be offensive while you're still being defensive. And it's it's hitting and not being hit, you know, and being in the striking position. So. 
No, that's that's about as boiled down to basic as you can establish and you can say. And speaking of Mike Tyson, I know sure. you, uh, your your idol, you know your idol, Sal Deontay Wilder. I know you're a huge fan of Deontay Wilder. Man, you know and, you, uh, you know I, I'm, I'm waiting to see I'm waiting to see his life size portrait uh, in your uh, little makeshift studio there. But uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, in a recent interview, says uh, that he's the uh, the best. He says that, uh, uh, and I quote, uh, that he's currently the scariest heavyweight alive. And he also claims that no man in the history of boxing could have beaten him. This is this is Deontay Wilder talking. And when they mentioned, uh, what about uh, some guy named Mike Tyson? And, and many Mike people Tyson. regard Mike Tyson as being... Uh, um, in the 1986 version of Mike Tyson. Yeah. And quite honestly, in my opinion, uh, the 1983 to 1986 Mike Tyson was unbeatable. I I'm not so sure that any great heavyweight could have beaten that version of Mike Tyson. That's my opinion. All right. I, I mean, he was just destroying fighters and in, in, in dominating. Explosive. Deontay Explosive. Wilder says, eh, Mike Tyson. I would have kicked his ass in 1986. He says he would have kicked his ass in 1986. Let, let me just say this. You know, Lennox Lewis was a fighter that I never really liked when he was active. Um, but since his retirement, I have learned to really respect and appreciate what Lennox Lewis did as a heavyweight. And the first thing that I always give Lennox Lewis credit for is the fact that he's changed the complexion of the heavyweight division. Lennox Lewis made what we see today, a six foot six, six foot five, six foot seven heavyweight that weighs 240, 250 pounds, that's chiseled, that's athletic, that can jab, that can knock you out, that can move around the ring, not just a lumbering big oof. You know, these are guys that, that uh, you know, could be playing football or basketball, um, you know, athletic-wise. And Lennox Lewis walked away from being the world heavyweight champion uh, as a champion. He walked away from the sport as a champion, never to come back. He was successful with his money, never pissed it away, kept his nose clean, was a good commentator. I personally liked his insight on HBO, but because he was too honest and didn't play the game, uh, you know, he was let go. Um, he made uh, a, a, a couple of statements. statements. He goes, uh, listen, and this is concerning the Mike Tyson cl uh, claim by Deontay Wilder. He says, listen, I got to keep it real. I know people always go back to the old days or look at the new days and uh, uh, try to compare. Uh, he says, uh, listen, I like Deontay Wilder, but trust me, he's never been in there with someone that was as ferocious, who truly wanted to break his ribs with every punch as Mike Tyson. He says, I don't see it. He says, uh, I love Deontay's confidence. You need that kind of confidence to sit on top of the heavyweight division. It, it shows that he's hungry, and uh, he always shows up in good shape, and that's what you need to do in this division. He says, but my best advice to not only Deontay Wilder, but to the entire crop of young heavyweight champions is to focus on being the best of your era out of respect and reality. It's unprovable. Of course, people ask, 
Uh, but I found no need to speculate or compare myself to my own idol, Muhammad Ali, or any of the other past greats. History will decide your place among the all-time greats. So go out there, clean up the division, defend your title or titles, reign supreme, and your work will speak for itself. Sal, wow! I can't agree with Lennox Lewis more. I have said similar things over the course of time. I have said many times that you don't have to... And this is a guy that I used to hate because he pounded on his chest and said, I don't get the respect, I need the respect. Now he looks at it in a different light and he says basically what I've said many times. Your performance will give you the accolades. You don't need to tell anybody. What's your thoughts on this comment from... uh, uh, former world champion and boxing hall of fame, Lennox Lewis. Spot on. It was perfect. I mean, t- I, I, I couldn't have imagined any better words chosen to relate what he truly feels. And I think that uh, that was 100% brilliant and perfect and complimentary without being cutting. And it was so true. And I think it was a wise words spoken from a wise man that learned and earned his own place in boxing history. No doubt. I, I uh, respect and appreciate Lennox's comments. We got some emails. This first one's from Joel. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., uh, you were able to, were you able to read about Zab Judah's fight from this past Saturday? As uh, Yes. He says, as I said, I ordered the fight uh, on Fight TV, which your show is on. Uh, he won a convincing decision and looked great. His punching head movement looked like he was 20 years old instead of 40, but... It was against an overmatched opponent. He said in a post-fight and ring interview that he's going to fight back in Calvary in April. Uh, again, hopefully it's going to be a, uh, against a better level of opposition. I'm sure he's going to land another significant fight at 140 or 147 simply based off his name value. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's against an Al Heyman-managed uh, 40 or 47 champion or fighter who will not want to fight the elite and instead go the route of a veteran who's on a bit of a win streak and maybe past his time. Um, I agree. He says, I still have to catch up on the Breedis-Usyk fight, but I read it was very close and could have technically gone either way. How did you and Sal score it? I'm excited for Dortikos and Gassiov next uh, and uh, find that it will be as close and as competitive as this Saturday's uh, WBSS semifinal. We are in a store for an amazing final at 200 pounds. Uh, in the World Boxing Super Series, for sure. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't score the fight, but I, I, I was, I was on the edge of my seat because I saw it going b- back and forth uh, throughout the uh, twelve rounds. So, so I loved it, and uh, you know, I think uh, you're right on, um, uh, Joel, that uh, uh, Zab Judah will be fighting one of those uh, uh, champions uh, so that they get a name on there resume and uh zab judah will have been active and that that will pave the way for him um next email this one's from uh, our buddy matt up in buffalo sally says uh hey guys i'm a bit flabbergasted over this weekend's boxing in one sense the usick breeders fight was a beauty it was really too close for me to call either way but it represented a throwback for the fans of the best versus the best both fighters put it on the line and fought like warriors in the pocket Breedis deserves a rematch, and I respect him far more than I did before. I thought he would go down in a late KO. 
Uh, I also have, have to hand it to Usyk for going into Breedis' hometown and icing the late rounds to seal the victory. The hard shot Usyk took in the ninth would also have taken down most fighters. Uh, unfortunately, in the most bizarre blunder I have seen from boxing promotion, the World Boxing Super Series decided to stream their undercard uh, for the U.S. on YouTube and erupt, abruptly cut the feed for the main event. If this continues through the remainder of the tournament, uh, many of us will not be able to see some of the year's top matchups live. Uh, the one thing I will say is that the whole fight was available on YouTube the following morning. Uh, I think it's a sin that uh, someone here in the U.S. didn't pick up this series, uh, and it just goes to show you how stupid the suits are that make these decisions. Uh, he says, fortunately, HBO uh, boxing heard Peter Nelson, uh, boxing head Peter Nelson can provide us with low-weight showcases of the highest magnitude from our friends at Golden Boy. What fan wouldn't drop all activities for a Matisse showcase snooze fest or a Linez unanimous decision against an outmatched opponent? In Nelson and the HBO announcing team's opinion, this card was a double header of Hagler Hearns and Duran Leonard won. HBO Boxing, once a pioneer and leader in the sport, has become mostly pedestrian or an afterthought. Their participation in WBSS should have been immediate. The cards were ready. Uh, made for the boxing fans, both casual and hardcore. Instead, a boxing fan is subjected to the mediocre cards of Golden Boy promotions on HBO and ESPN2. I can't say as I disagree with my man, Sal. No, I think it was, uh, again, just right on. And uh, that's because we have such a smart fan base that they do pay attention. And they know what's going out there. on out there. He says, I got two questions that I hope you and Sal can weigh in on an opinion for me first how far has hbo fallen outside of superfly and light heavyweights is hbo worth the subscription are bob arum and i correct in our assessments of hbo and nelson my answer yes you are correct i think hbo has lost it and until they revamp it meaning get rid of all three of those stooges and peter nelson this is what you're going to see they lost it they lost it. They let Showtime uh, and that child molester, uh, well, no, no, <clears throat> child-looking molester, Steven Espinosa, um, you know, take over the, the, the high fights. And even those aren't even great anymore. Nah, I think they lost it for sure. He says, second, is Golden Boy the worst major U.S. promoter? Uh, despite our misgivings of top rank and PBC, both at least produce content we can appreciate. Golden Boy has a deal with ESPN and HBO. Uh, despite having a stable of randoms, has been has been's propped up prospects and Canelo. Their cards are consistently never uh, are consistently near unwatchable, even for a hardcore fan like myself. Worse, De La Hoya has turned Canelo into a fight ducking diva. He says, "P.S. Golden Gloves in Riverside Buffalo was a big hit Sunday, a phenomenal event with nonstop action. Both you and Sal have an open invite for the finals on May sixth here in Buffalo." Chicken wings and wow. tickets are on me. By the way, Sal, great job on the answer to the, my movie trivia question last neat week. You were correct. <laughs> Magnum Four starring Clint Eastwood. Thanks for the email, Matt. Um, Thanks, Matt. I uh, I am very disappointed in Golden Boy. I'm, I'm extremely disappointed in Canelo. I really believe that he was right when he said, us Mexicans don't F around. You know, um, I, I don't know what to expect until we get some knowledgeable people making the decisions of which fights go on which networks. This is what we're stuck with, Sal. I, I, I really uh, 
I really believe that. Well, I think you're right to believe that. And, uh, you know, we will see how it pans out. we got to see what uh, what these networks are going to be willing to do to provide the best fights for the best uh, best audience and, and to capture uh, with their credibility. We'll see what happens. Um, one last email. Uh, this is from uh, my man uh, Luke. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., thanks for reading my email the other day. I get a kick out of hearing you read. Hey, listen, for anybody out there, just remember, if you take the time to drop me an email, I'll take the time to read it. Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And you don't have to agree with what uh, myself or, or Sal or anyone else involved with Billy C. Boxing no. uh, has to do. We'll still read it. Uh, he says, we you will. mentioned a few times that we as fans need to start making our voices heard to get uh, to try and get the fights made that we want to see and move the sport along. One thing that I think is really affecting the sport, but I'm kind of surprised I'm not hearing many people talk about it, is the price that we have to pay as fans to actually watch this sport. I don't know how it works in the U.S., so you'll have to forgive me on this, but over here in the U.K., we have three channels, sometimes four, showing boxing. The big three at the moment are Sky Sports, Box Nation, uh, BT Sports, and ITV Box Office. Uh, sometimes on Channel 5, which is a network channel, uh, may have some fights, but they're not showing, haven't shown any in a while. Now, in order to get Sky Sports, you're looking at about 40 pounds a month. Then Box Nation is another 12 pounds a month. That's just the standard monthly cost, but what really gets me is the amount and cost of pay-per-views. Sky, around 2009, had the boxing budget on Sky Sports cut by almost half, which forced them to grow their uh, throw their lot in with one promoter who's Eddie Hearn. On the back of this, though, it kind of meant that Eddie Hearn now, as you've probably seen, started to take over the world. In around 2011, after a couple of dismal performances by Hay, they stopped putting on boxing on pay-per-view service, which is Skybox office. However, the Carl Frotch-George Groves fights brought it straight back. Now, in order to get a fight on Skybox, you're looking at uh, a further... Uh, 16 pounds per fight it was 20 pounds for the mayweather pacquiao fight uh box nation uh should have been showing top quality uk and american fights uh, they have started to dabble with their own pay-per-views canelo uh, triple g was an extra 10 bucks or 10 pounds itv box office is uh 17 pounds per fight and they're showing the world boxing super series they have uh groves and chris eubanker on soon i don't know if it's clearly just an issue i have but as soon as there's any fight with me uh mediocre interest it goes straight on the box office at one point last year they had three box office fights back to back which you can imagine in a month is quite expensive i don't really hear as many fans talking about this as much as they've accepted it as in inevitability which i think's uh, a bit foolish of all uh, a bit foolish from all of us we already pay a high price in order to get the sports channels and then we have to pay extra for the fights we want to see an example of this is uh, AJ. He's our Olympic heavyweight gold medalist, and now every one of his fights is going to be a pay-per-view. Uh, we also got the problem now that those rival networks and promoters are starting to promote shows that compete against each other, like Carl Frampton against Donaire fight is on the same day as Amir Khan's return. My question is, is what are your thoughts on this? I know you guys in the States have had pay-per-views since the early Tyson days, and I remember reading somewhere that you guys had to pay $100 for the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, which is ludicrous. I just feel like uh, fans, we're going to pay through the nose to watch our sport, to have to pay an extra on top as well as the UK. Thanks for the email, Luke Thunder Breslin. Um, real quick, uh, because we we got to take a break, we're getting Sal, but I've been saying, I mean, we're getting Dax. I've been get, saying this, Sal, for a long time. 
boxing fans are the most fleeced sports fans in America. Not only do you have to, you know, pay additional uh, fees to get the channels that even air the sport of boxing, just as Luke mentions, it's the same here in the States. For the big fights, we have to pay extra. I think it's ridiculous, and it has turned a lot of fight fans away, or at least it's turned the casual fight fan away. The diehard fan will pay anyway, and I think that the powers that be uh, are counting on the diehard uh, boxing fan to shell out money no matter what. And to be honest with you, to pay for an HBO subscription or a Showtime subscription to get a Lin Ayers against Mercito Gesta fight, uh, or uh, even worse, a Matisse against a Karam fight, uh, that, that that's ridiculous. We shouldn't get those fights on those networks. I agree uh, with my man Luke. And the best way to control it is just not to buy it. The only problem we have here, Sal, is that boxing's in a huge, at least here in the States, and I would say worldwide, it's in a huge resurgence. We love what we're seeing. I like the, the you know, uh, uh, many different fights, the, the, uh, the, the infusion of being able to watch many fights. I wish we got to see more top-quality fights, but I just like the fact that we're able to see a larger quantity of fights. Uh, I would always like to see a larger, uh, ver- you know, larger quantity of quality fights, but a quantity on TV is more important. What do you think? I think you are right. Quantity right now, you know, people could could sit and choose and see which fight interests them, or you know, give us an I- idea, an opportunity to look at more talent that that might be coming up or established or that we identify with. And um, so the more fights, of course, I think that. Uh, I don't think they can really oversaturate it, but um, I think that, that we definitely need to have the access, access to see some top-quality fights. And if it's spread out across the board, hey, why not? We can pick and choose and see which ones we follow the best. The networks will get the feedback, and, and they'll, they'll know. They'll gear it in. Yeah, well, they'll put it know, in a slot. The, the, the bottom line is if the fighters were willing to fight, yes. everything else would fall in place. Yes, it would, Bill. And you know, it's uh, very smart, but it's very common sense. And it's very unlikely to happen in this day and age of the professional fighting. It could, but like I said, you look at the fighters way back when, you know, my generation or my era of boxing. Even before. You know, let's be real. Before, Let, let's before. call we a spade a spade. hang up on the 70s and 80s. Well, You're let's right. just call a spade a spade. I no. mean, uh, the 70s it's and before. Uh, the late before 70s and 80s. And if, if, you, if you asked me in the late 70s or 80s if I was witnessing the last great era of boxing, and I tell people all the time, I would have laughed my ass off at you. You know, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that the, the great eras were even before that. But just compared to today... The, the late 70s and 80s were, were a dynamite division, compared a dynamite era compared to today. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Dax come. We'll get his thoughts on the fights from this weekend. Don't go nowhere. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. 
hot martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking about being with us, joining us right now, uh, we'll get his thoughts on the fights from this weekend, beginning with the uh, World Boxing Super Series. Uh, Dax Khan joins us. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, everybody. How's this nice Monday? Oh, not too bad. Uh, what'd you think of the World Boxing Super Series? Oh, do I love this series. Um, you know, since, since, you know, the start of this, when it was announced, you know, there was uh, Ringstar and Soundland Promotions put out a lot of hype, and fans were wondering, you know, can uh, it uh, live up to this hype? We have 16 entrants with less than 10 losses between them, over 240 wins, 200 knockouts. How's this fourth judge going to work? Um, can it really be a tournament that's worth watching without any U.S. fighters of note? And it's delivered as advertised and then some. I mean, what makes this even more special, Bill, Sal, is this is going out without us. This is going off so far without a single hitch, not one stumble. The only um, downfall you might want to say is about the no U.S. TV broadcast, but without any U.S. TV based fighters of no feeling that this was worth their time with the exception of Rob Brandt, who despite losing to Jurgen Brommer, uh, took full advantage of the situation and made a good showing of himself. I can understand why uh, you know they didn't bother with this. Uh, this cruiserweight division has really shown in this tournament, especially if you went to the fights in Jersey, that you know they this may be the best of the big men in the sport. These guys are big fighters. Um, you know, remember Steve Cunningham, a Philly-based fighter, had to travel across seas to make his name uh, when the cruiserweight division first started getting steam, the promoters here are who to really blame. Even when Evander Holyfield was the undisputed cruiserweight champion, uh, the fans here didn't really uh, give it any interest. But this fight Saturday, anybody who watched it and knows boxing, you know, after this, if you don't want to see more of this cruiserweight to- uh, division, you know, I-, I have to question your knowledge of the sport. Hey, Dax, uh, I-, I got uh, two two things I want to comment on. Um... Uh, based on your comments just now, number one, I, I don't. I think that the powers that be, meaning the suits that had the decision to to either bring the World Boxing Super Series to U.S. television or not, shouldn't have used the fact that there were no U.S. fighters on you know in that tournament. And the reason being is that it would have been a smart move for them to lay the groundwork to bring potentially bigger fights down the road. And this is to me, and I want to get your thoughts and yours as well, uh, Sal, to me that this is just an indication of the lack of knowledge that these guys who are making the decisions have. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, but, you know, why bring these guys over here that nobody knows because we might have to actually invest in something or our announcers might actually have to educate the fans instead of just uh, being rah-rah men and pushing the guys that are either recycled or pushing the guys that we're trying to uh, build more momentum behind and we're trying to erase the criticism that's already around these fighters we've invested money in. You know, they don't want to do that no more. That's, you know, uh, not how it used to be. Uh, Usyk, because of his appearances here in the U.S. already, you know, had, uh, ha- has a name, you know, has a following. 
uh, Usyk, here's the guy. We talk about whatever happened to the real world champions. In 15 fights, he's already um, fought world title fights, whether it's fought or defended his world title in five countries. Name another world champion. I don't care if it's from the U.K. I don't care if it's from the U.S. I don't care where it is. Name another world champion that's done that currently, like Alexander Usyk against top caliber opposition. No, no doubt. He's definitely... Uh put the cruiserweight uh, division on the map. Hopefully a lot of U.S. Uh, fighters watch it. My, my other quick question before we move on to the HBO fights, uh, Dax, is this. You know, that fight Saturday between uh, uh, Breedis and, uh, and Usyk was a, uh, an entertaining fight. It was, I loved it, and uh, it was a close fight. Tough one to score. Um, what is in place for the tiebreaker. I know they have a, a, an extra round, I believe, that they fight, but didn't you find it kind of strange that it took so long to, to come up with the verdict? And then if it was a tie, if it turned out to be a, a, a tie or a draw, um, that several minutes went by before we would have had to seen those guys go at it again. It was. Am I correct in saying that they were going to fight another round, or, was, or am I mixing that up with something else? No, that's why we have the fourth judge. Okay, he would have been the tiebreaker? Right, the fourth judge. Because they don't want any draws. Okay. They don't want any extra rounds. They want this to go without a hitch, and that's what that fourth judge is for. That fourth judge is going to be the guy who uh, makes, or, makes or breaks that, and so it moves on. And also, with there being a fourth judge, it more or less kind of uh, takes away any sort of biasness. I was very impressed with the fact that they were fighting in Breedis' home country, and we didn't see any hometown scoring. Uh, you know, Breedis worked the body. Usyk worked uh, great at a distance. I liked everything about this fight. It was at a high pace. Uh, you know, again, we speak about the mindset of the fans and referring to something you, were, uh, you and Sal mentioned before about how boxing fans in the United States don't seem to get into things like they do the other sports, uh, such as the NFL or Major League Baseball, like uh, the other countries get behind boxing. Uh, you know, i seen fans here saying they weren't impressed with Usyk because they had seen better uh, performances from him. Instead, if they were educated about the sport in its whole, what they would have been saying is, wow, Breedis really was able to bring Alexander Usyk to a level we've never seen anybody else bring him to. Also, um, you know, in this country, it seems that without any liquor, without any drinks or anything like that, you know, fans aren't able to go in there and just have a good time. Everybody's got to be either, like boozed up. They got to be able to act like a fool instead of just enjoying the event in front of them. Uh, you know, uh, the fans here today, you speak about the uh, the HBO, uh, how they were trying to sell that fight, which we're going to get into in, in a minute. The uh, uh, the Matisse fight, you know, these fans today are, you know, these are the guys that are going to tell you how Al Heyman has saved boxing and they know nothing but what goes on HBO, Showtime, PBC events, and what goes on uh, ESPN, and and that's that small little pool here, and that's why the, the World Boxing Super Series wasn't on TV here, in my opinion, because, you know what, the United States fans would not have really went into this. What was your thoughts on the HBO fights, Dax? Um, you know, the, the doubleheader, uh, I totally agree. And in my opinion, I always consider the top fight or the most meaningful fight the main event, regardless of how they sell it. And Linares versus uh, Mercedes Gesta was definitely the main event. Uh, yeah. Linares looked, uh, he looked great. He boxed smart. What I liked in this fight, compared to a lot of Jorge Linares' fights, is instead of starting out strong and then fading, he took those first couple of rounds to figure out Mercedes Gesta. He also knew he had Freddie Roach over in the corner, or Freddie Roach, who has 
worked with Linares in the past extensively. Uh, Linares is a fantastic boxer, boxer. Watching him work is something else. He can do it all. I remember the fight that you mentioned earlier against Antonio DeMarco with Manny Stewart uh, ringside saying, this is a pound-for-pound-based fighter with the skill set, and then all of a sudden he gets knocked out. And he's right. Linares at times is that pound-for-pound fighter. He can do it all, but he does gas out. He didn't do that this weekend. Uh, Linares, he doesn't have one-punch power. That's the big knock on him, of course, that and the cuts. But, um, you know, as far as Gesta, he's a guy who doesn't get full credit. He is better than an average fighter. He's not a great fighter, but he's a world-class fighter. I'd like to see him lose a little bit of his muscle tone. He kind of reminds me of... Um, Yuri Orcus Gamboa when he was at them lower weights where he seemed a little bit stiff and unable to uh, be fluent despite the fact he was able to get off some fast punches but not a lot of those fast punches so it was a very good fight I think you know um, so far uh, as, as long as Mikey Garcia if he decides to stay in the 135 pound division after his fight against Sergey Lipinitz win or lose and the WBC puts that to purse bid that's the fight that really needs to happen at 135 pounds and help clean that up What'd you think of the uh, of the so-called main event with Matisse? You know, Karam, you know, was actually the favorite into that fight, and and you know, it's understandable. Uh, much of that may have been. That's the one thing I did agree with Max Kellerman on. Much of that may have been due to the fact of Sorung Visai who came over. Again, we speak about the lack of knowledge of uh, U.S. boxing fans. People didn't even realize that Soro Visay actually held that title. He won off of Roman Gonzalez, and uh, Carlos Kudras took that title from him overseas. And, you know, so he kind of had that aura and the mystery, uh, mystery about him. Then he comes in 160 pounds on fight night, which, you know, kind of raised that um, – raise those betting odds over in his favor and he has beaten a lot bigger fighters he's beaten guys that uh, light heavyweights have beaten uh, guys that uh, Shoney Monahan beaten such as uh, Fernando Castanda uh, Karim has also dominated smaller guys in uh, from the 140 pound division and Lucas Matisse is just a blown up 140 pound fighter he fought once in two years since his KO loss to uh, Victor Postal and that was against a capable but not very dangerous Emmanuel Taylor um, you know I don't know that I, I really do question this bottle in between rounds four and five. Uh, you know, what was in there? You know, we need to have some sort of clarification. And it's not that at any point in time Karam was doing anything special. Uh, Lucas Matisse was having a hard time even getting in to hit him. Uh, when he was hitting him, Karam was taking those punches well. But those last two shots, they weren't very hard punches. He really seemed to slow down a lot after this uh, incident with the bottle. And, you know, those grazing punches, not only did they drop him, but they literally they, they stopped him. Uh, he, he had no, um, he didn't even try to get up. Lucas Matisse, the idea of him wanting to fight any of these other top names is preposterous. Maybe uh, he should fight uh, the winner or, um, well, actually, I, I, I'll say now the loser of Danny Garcia and Brandon Rios fight. But other than that, Lucas Matisse, you know, this is a guy here who's definitely at the end of his career. And I'm sure somewhere Lamont Peterson was watching this fight, kicking himself, saying, you know what, this would have been easy work. Even though Lucas Matisse beat him at 140 pounds, that night, that version, Lamont Peterson would have defended his WBA title, in my opinion. It wasn't a bottle. It was that ointment that they had. It was in a jar, a little short jar. Yeah, it was, jar. In, it was in like a, it was in like a, what you would get, sometimes That's I see people with lip brown. Like lip balm and the little teeth, and they were it was. Yeah, they, it was, they said he was inhaling it though. Yeah, that's what I saw, Bill. I th I saw him do both. I saw. I think they they might have uh, applied it to his to his skin, but which now if it's herbal or something is like liniment, and that get in your eyes. Who knows? But if uh, if it wasn't applied, I I don't know if I actually saw it being applied. I saw him sniff the 
the little you snort. And Sal, the weird thing is, am I wrong? But didn't Karam himself have the bottle? Yeah, I think he no. Did. How's he going to hold the bottle with his gloves? Listen, they, 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 I watched him putting it on him, but I, the only person I saw sniffing it was the was the. Uh, Commission guy, and then he made the the referee. Sin. You guys, I, I missed. I must have missed it. You saw him. Sn- them I saw hit. them place it under his like nose like like a like like a smelling salt type procedure, yeah, like a smelling salt or an herb. And then if that would contradict, why would you put it on your fighter's skin if it's got some kind of uh, uh, effect or herb? Get in your eyes or liniment. The, the uh, aroma, you know, the, the aroma. aroma. Maybe he's having a hard time breathing. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe, maybe it was clearing up his nose. But you know what? Maybe. After they took it, after they confiscated it, I kept watching the corner when they put the camera on, and I noticed that the 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 um, the cut man had no Vaseline. They weren't putting Vaseline on him. They were just wiping the sweat off his face. So I, I don't know. I, it, I haven't heard anything since clean. that. Who the heck knows? I don't know. Suspicion. I'm not making any accusations, you know. It's just, it's just very suspicious. What really makes it suspicious is the fact that Lucas Matisse wasn't doing very well prior to then, and then those punches that you know knocked Karam out. Again, you know what? We didn't take those punches, so we really don't know, and we don't know what the effect was prior to uh, those. But again, my point is, they didn't look like they were very hard punches, and an already slow Karam seemed to get even slower. So it, it was um. Very suspect and very suspicious to me. You know, I, I'd just be curious to find out what was in there. Well, he lost. I, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, too. I, I looked at those punches again and again and again. And <laughs> there was a collision that was occurring. There was two momentums coming. Even though it didn't look like it, it looked like a stiff hook jab, more or less. There was a collision, and they were both coming forward. So that had a dramatic impact. And... And when Max Kellerman was suggesting that he was maybe just looking for a place to fall down or lay down, no, guess what? He got hit. He got hit hard, and that punch, no matter how it was delivered, with the momentum, or like like I said, a hook jab coming in, the momentum shift, bam, when it had a collision, that shot, I'm telling you, rattled him bad. And uh, the second one, same thing. It might not have looked as devastating, might not have looked as if a single punch, but no, they were hard shots. He he definitely took a shot. I don't think he uh, looked to take a dive. But, you know, it was no, definitely no, no Kermit Cintron. It was definitely no Andre Durrell. No. But um, you know, it just it, it just seemed very um very odd. You know, so much other news. You know, to cover real quick. Um, you know, we speak about HBO. We criticize it. Uh, the good news is that Superfly 2, so far, that's going to be going off without a hitch. Uh, both uh, um, for the main event, you know, uh, uh, Rung Visai and uh, um, Estrada have made their, um, you know, their 30-day weigh-in. Matter of fact, both guys are on point, you know. Uh, uh, you know, they only have six pounds apiece to lose. Uh, Tevin Farmer, you know, the kid that, you know, fought a few weeks ago, you know, uh, a lot of people say he got robbed in that fight, uh, you know, for his, uh, his the, that IBF title. And what happens, you know, Tevin Farmer, he, um, you know, that's the second time that he lost the fight. People think he should win. And then we, what we find out is that Kenchi Ogawa, goes back and he tests positive for artificial testosterone levels. Jeez. Yeah, it doesn't surprise you. I mean, with, with what's going on with all these guys, I mean, so is he getting a rematch? As of right now, we don't know. And as of right now, with the IBF being the IBF, 
Remember, these are guys that stripped Tyson Fury because he wouldn't give a uh, almost decade-long champion a rematch. So you never know what's going on with them. Both Sullivan Barrera and Dimitri Bivol have passed Vada tests, so that fight is going on. And uh, you mentioned before already the Badu Jack against the Donna Stevenson fight. I'm excited about that. What about you guys? Oh, I can't. To me, that's a real fight. And I and like I said earlier, that's when uh, Stevenson loses his belt. I, I think finally we'll get rid of Stevenson once and for all. Badu Jack has just gotten so much better, you know. Over, man, I was just, he's gotten so much better since that KO loss. Every fight he just improves. And, and why he, isn't he bad? And, and people and think. I, I agree with you. And and what really pisses me off about that is why he's not being promoted. I, that's when I always criticize Mayweather Promotions for not giving the young fighters that could be built up a chance because they. my thought is that they might steal a little of the thunder away from Floyd. Uh, Bado Jack is a guy that we should all be talking about. He, there, It's actually he's regressing in his popularity as he gets better. How ridiculous is that? It is ridiculous. You know, that night, remember, I was sitting ringside that night. I was actually on the apron. Anybody who uh, doubts that can watch those fights, and you'll see me on the apron. And um, what I did not understand is that night Floyd Mayweather is waving this $10,000 in cash uh, to Jay Leon Love, telling him if he knocks out uh, his opponent for the, for the night, um, uh, the, the kid from up in uh, Rhode Island, that he would give him the 10000 And Jay Leon was struggling. My shirt was literally covered with blood. I got one of those white talking boxing well, with Billy uh, Billy C uh, shirts, and it was covered with blood. Jay Leon was having such a hard time, but that was the guy they were promoting. Badu Jack gets knocked out in that second round, and he looks right at me, not directly you know, meaning to, but we just happened to meet eyes, and he's shrugging his shoulders like, wow, I, I really blew that one. Uh, the other guy that they had there, uh, who had that lightweight title for a moment, and then uh, he lost it. He didn't, he didn't make weight. But, you know, he was supposed to be the main event that night. And Badu Jack now, uh, champion in two divisions, he's still not giving the respect he's supposed to uh, get. But in my opinion, what that is is because Badu Jack is not marketable to a lot of these U.S. fans, as uh, we always criticize, because Badu Jack is not one of these guys who goes out there. He doesn't do a lot of talking. He's not foul-mouthed. He doesn't build himself up. He doesn't talk bad about his opponents. Badu Jack, you know, he's very quiet. He's very respectful. He goes out there and he does his job. And I don't think, uh, you know, those uh, the, the fans, uh, these fans with their mentality today can appreciate that and get behind the guy just for their ability. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder, a guy who to be fair, is horribly promoted. He's been horribly marketed. You know, he's out there trying to market himself, and his comments about a prime Mike Tyson have literally backfired into his face. Yeah, well, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Dax, before we let you go, you know, one thing that bothered me during the HBO broadcast, and I, I lost count, <laughs> was how many times they gave the accolades to to Roy Jones Jr. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Roy. I mean, he's been boxing for 28 years. He's coming up on his last fight. Um, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, his biggest, I mean, he's had so many accomplishments, but when he won the title from Bernard Hopkins in 1993, that was 24 years ago. You know, there's a whole generation of fighters that have never seen Roy Jones in his prime. My, my question is, was he that good? I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm not suggesting he was or wasn't. Um, I loved watching him. He dominated his opponents. But and, and when you look through his resume, you see all the big names. But, you know, I can't put my finger on it if and my memory's going. 
if I felt that he was ducking fighters during that time, if he was taking the easiest way out, I know he, he was hard to deal with at that time. But is he as great as the accolades that get tossed around during an HBO broadcast? What's your thoughts? Roy Jones was a, you know, a phenomenal athlete. His reflexes were almost superhuman. With that being said, Roy Jones was a world-class boxer, but he was not an amazing boxer. It was those reflexes, those natural reflexes that allowed Roy Jones to do things we've never seen in other guys. The reason why Roy Jones ended his career not looking as sensational as a lot of guys that he defeated is because those guys uh, evolved into complete fighters and Roy always remained having to uh, needing those natural reflexes and Roy Jones once those reflexes faded he more or less he became easy pickings for these guys that you know were five six and seven levels below him like a Danny Green uh, for example and he's having a hard time you know uh, admitting to himself the time is has passed there was something about a chin or something that was mentioned in there. And Roy Jones had said to himself, oh, that would never happen with Roy Jones. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Roy, some of the guys you've been knocked out by as as of recent years. So, you know, Roy Jones absolutely is a great fighter, Hall of Fame fighter. But, you know, you, you have to at some point in time say, you know what, there, there's a limit. But when you're sitting next to a guy that, you know, whether or not you're working with him or you're his friend, it's kind of hard to sit there and say, Roy, enough already. And, yes, Roy Jones... Uh, leading up to the Bernard Hopkins and Joe Calzaki fight, or it might even been either the fight before that or it was the night of that fight, Roy Jones was uh, one of the broadcasters, and he was asked plainly by Jim Lampley, why did you never fight Joe Calzaki over in the U.K.? Remember, much like Deontay Wilder now with Anthony Joshua, Joe Calzaki was the draw then. Roy Jones would have had to have gone over there. But Roy Jones flatly admitted, and he said, well, I can say this now, but I couldn't say it in my career that it was too much of a risk for me, meaning that to go over there, win or lose, it was something that, you know what, if I lost, it would have really put me back uh, in my marketability. If I won, it would have done me no favors. So Roy Jones, a great fighter, one of the greatest, but, you know, as far as uh, all around uh, ring smarts and stuff like that, Roy Jones, without those natural abilities, he would have been a very good fighter, but not a great fighter. You know, the, the funny thing is, uh, is that, you know, he beats Bernard Hopkins the first time he fought him in 1993. He didn't fight Joe Calzaghe for 15 more years. And he was already, uh, you know, not his, his best. And, and you can make the argument that Calzaghe wasn't either. So And he wanted that fight. Calzaghe didn't care about that fight. Yeah, no, he wanted that fight. No, I know. I, but my point is, is they could have fought earlier, you know. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, 28 years a 28-year career when it's all said and done, uh, great accomplishment for Roy Absolutely. Jones. Absolutely, but even Bernard Hopkins, um, my point with that, or another guy who had uh, superb reflexes, Muhammad Ali, who depended on those early. Once those reflexes faded, he started doing the rope with dope, and he took all that abuse. Luckily, he had that granite chin, unlike Roy Jones, but uh, Bernard Hopkins, the reason why he surpassed Roy Jones in accomplishments is because Bernard Hopkins uh, became uh, you know, a sneaky fighter, an inside fighter, a skilled fighter, a guy who learned how to use all those tricks, you know, so those were the differences, and that's what always hurt Roy Jones is he just relied on that, that natural speed and those reflexes. He's not the only one, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of guys who have. No doubt. Dax, great job as usual, look forward to you later in the week, my man. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. Take care, Dax. You know, uh, Sal, you know, just uh, FYI, I mean, the Muhammad Ali, the rope-a-dope thing, um, he, as far as I can recall, he only did that with, with Foreman, and that was one plan, but it, it took its toll. But just to put the Roy Jones Jr. Uh, career in, 
in perspective. Like I said, he started in 1989. He's been fighting for 28 years. Uh, you know, his biggest win, you could, uh, well, his first big win was when he beat Bernard Hopkins for the world middleweight title um, in 1993. That's 24 years ago. He was a former middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight title holder. And then he was the first guy to go back from winning a heavyweight title. Uh, let me rephrase it. He was the first guy that had been a former world light heavyweight titleist that became a world heavyweight titleist that went back down and captured the world light heavyweight title. He was the first guy to do it since Bob Fitzsimmons did it almost 100 years previously. So, I mean, I'm not suggesting that Roy Jones is not a Hall of Fame fighter. It's just that um, he... uh, uh, the accolades you hear about it is almost like they're talking about Superman, you know, and I, I just, I don't remember him uh, as being that great. He was dominating, but he was fighting the right guys. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I, I think so. And he just was, a, you know, he had a God-given talent and ability and, uh, you know, as an athlete. I mean, was he also the one that was a big fan of basketball? He loved basketball? Well, Manny Pacquiao loved basketball. No, I think Roy. No, I mean, no, he actively. No, Roy. I think. I think uh, a professional basketball player. Yeah, Roy, he was really good. He competed just uh, you know on Roy, on some light level. He had yeah, a passion for. Roy basketball. played. I believe Roy played in in a European league for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. No, he he. Uh, uh, Roy is like Dak said. Roy was an, an exceptional athlete, and that's yes. his athleticism is what separated him from uh, uh, from from the others. That's for sure. But uh, I, I don't know. It just gets pretty sickening at times to to hear the announcers with the accolades. Oh, Roy, you could have beaten those guys in the same night, Roy. Uh, you know, uh, Roy Jones Jr. And then he talks about himself in the third. Well, Roy Jones Jr. wouldn't have been hit. It's like, well, wait a minute, aren't you Roy Jones Jr.? You know, I mean, come on. You know, it's like, you know, I, I just it's just so sickening. You know, it's a shame. We were talking about it HBO. Steve Martin. Yeah, David we Johnson we would say we we, we were talking man. about we were talking about HBO and uh, <laughs> and and they're you know losing momentum. Uh, they've lost it, in my opinion. You know, they um, they need to revamp, man. Jim Lampley's done. Jim Lampley can't call a fight anymore without looking at punch stats. Max Kellerman, they they're never gonna let him loose. Although I like, I, I I'm against the rest of you guys. I kind of like Max. I think uh, he's I knowledgeable. Like, I always like Max. I you just know. feel like some sometimes he, I think he inserts foot in mouth. Yeah, well, I think sometimes he's he says things that he's, uh, you know, they give him a little leeway and then he says the wrong thing. But Roy, no disrespect to Roy, he's got to go. He's got to go. You know, he, he really does. But uh, anyway, and we got to go. Uh, on this day, January 29th in 1999, Francisco Castillo wins a 12-round decision over Keith Mullings to win the WBC World Junior Middleweight title took place in Spain. On this day in 1994, Frankie Randall wins a 12-round decision over Julio Cesar Chavez to win the WBC Junior Welterweight title, and that took place in Vegas. And incidentally, we talked about this fight last week. That was Julio Cesar Chavez's first loss after 82 or 84 fights, whatever it was. Um, you know, so please hear, hear that, Floyd. Uh, right, you hear that? And so anybody out there that thinks going fifty and zero was a big deal, not so much. Um, on this day in two thousand and six, Takashi Kozumoto wins a twelve round decision over In Jin Chai to win the WBC World Featherweight title. Took place in Japan. 
On this day in 1996, Nana Kanadu knocks out Vera Paul Saperon in the second round to win the WBA Bantamweight title to place in Bangkok. On this day in 2002, Ketero Hornosho wins a 12-round decision over Joma uh, Gamboa to regain the vacant WBA strawweight title to place in Japan. On this day in 1994, Felix Tito Trinidad wins a 12-round decision over Hector Macho Camacho to, to retain his IBF World Welterweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1977, Roberto Duran knocks man. out Villamar Fernandez in the 13th round to retain wow. his WBA lightweight title, and that took place in Miami Beach, Florida, on this day in 1977. And finally, on this day, January 29th in 1984, uh, the late, great, and a personal uh, close friend of mine, uh, Billy Costello, knocks out Bruce Curry in the 10th round to win the WBC World Junior Welterweight title, and that took place in Texas on this day in 1984. And uh, the original Billy C, uh, he always used to laugh. And I got a lot of his... Uh, uh, t- uh, interviews we used we did on this show uh, on tape. I have so many. I was going through so many interviews that we did with all these guys. But uh, Billy Costello, I used to call him on the phone. Hey, Billy C. This is Billy C. Hey, Billy C. How you doing? Hey, Billy C. It was all the Billy C's. We were throwing Billy C's around. It was uh, pretty funny, and I miss Billy Costello a, a lot. He was, uh, he was good uh, a great guy, great guy for sure. Yeah. But uh, uh, anyway, Sal, tomorrow. I just want to warn everybody, tomorrow uh, we may have some technical issues, uh, thanks to Microsoft, uh, so uh, we're going to play that by ear. We're not going to know until tomorrow, uh, so I'm just giving everybody a heads up uh, in case you see uh, me and Sal, uh, stuff like our lips moving but you can't hear us talking or uh, some crazy stuff like that. Um, just, uh, you know, we, we, we need to form a... Uh, some kind of a protest against Microsoft. I mean, uh, uh, since when did they get to control our lives, Sal? Since when? Since they've been plugging in the Internet and uh, doing what they can do, they've been using and abusing and controlling a lot of lives. This is true. This is true. Sort of like Sal's uh, like, neighborhood pizzeria's pizza. Yes, once, yes. once you eat that it's stuff, you become a... messages uh, being you, played 24-7. You become addicted and just, to it. And just like, remember, what was, that, what was that series, that show that came on, Black and White? Not the Twilight Zone. It was the one step beyond. It goes, you're what you're about to see. We're going to get into your mind. You're this. We're going to... You remember that? Yeah. The Black I, and White? I liked, I liked the... My favorite was still... Uh, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Those, those Outer were great. Outer Limits. You had one step beyond Outer Limits and Twilight Zone. Yeah. I mean, you had so much sci-fi back then. It was. I tell you what, we were we were fortunate enough to to see those broadcasts. Man, they were they were great. It might have been Outer Limits that said, "You're what you're about to see. You're, there's nothing wrong with." There's your nothing TV wrong set. with no there's Outer there's... Outer Limits. Was there's nothing wrong with your TV yeah, set? We've right. taken control. This, yeah. This yeah. Is, Next 40 minutes or an hour or half hour, whatever it was. Well, listen, boys and girls, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.